Today is week number nine in our More Than a Feeling series. We're journeying through the book of Philippians. And at the fun table this week, middle doors right around the corner or the uh, side door over there as you head out to the back parking lot, uh, we have a fun table. And the fun table this week has uh, kazoos. And I'm not sure what you call these, but I love these. Yeah, you got one down there? Good. Oh, good. Good, Julie. Exactly. So uh, help yourself. Uh, you know there's a little junior high boy in most every man. Did you know that? <laughs> and some of us have a little more than others. Anyway, uh, <laughs> can I say, how many of you uh, have a, a passport? Can I see your hands? How many of you have a, one of those? Okay. Not with you, but have one. Okay. Uh, if you were to uh, travel, especially out of country, you need one of these. You need one of these. Uh, passport proves citizenship. In this case, citizenship, I'm a citizen of the United States. It verifies country of citizenship. So if you want to prove that you're an American, they're going to say, show me your passport. You got to hand them your passport. Uh, enables us to travel outside the country, and then, maybe more importantly, uh, it allows us re-entry back into your country of citizenship. I've, I've used my passport to travel to Mexico and Israel and Thailand and Japan and uh, Netherlands and Belize. Um, again, allowed me into countries that uh, get along with the U.S. and then allows you back into your home country. Um, in the third chapter of Philippians, Paul tells the church at Philippi, Paul tells the church at Walloon that we are citizens, but we're citizens of heaven. Isn't that interesting? We're, we're not citizens just of the U.S. We actually have dual citizenship. We are citizens of the country we live in, the United States of America, but we're also citizens of of heaven. I'm a citizen of heaven. Think about it. That, that's your dual citizenship. As citizens of heaven, we see more than just the present tense. That's part of what he's going to talk about today. We see more than just what's going on right now. And uh, as citizens, the Lord has expectations on his citizens. He's earned the right as King of kings and Lord of lords to expect that we would think and speak and live as strangers and aliens. We're just passing through this journey called life. Okay, So uh, locate with me Philippians 3. We're in verses 12 to 21 today. The Lord has some expectations on us. Uh, he expects us to think and speak and live differently. Why? Because... We're heavenly citizens. We're not just earthly. We are heavenly citizens. If you're able, would you please stand with me? We're going to start with verse 12. We're going to read about what it means and what God expects for us as citizens of heaven. Ready? Here we go. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it. 
But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. For I have you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies, like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. Let's pray. Lord, we, we want you to know we can't wait to see that happen. We can't wait to see these weak and mortal bodies changed up. We can't wait to see you take the whole world and put it under your control. And uh, we look forward to that time when you're sitting on the throne and we're gathered around you enjoying the new heaven and the new earth. In the meantime, Lord, uh, it's been a tough week to live here on planet Earth. Thank you that we get to study your book together. Lord, I pray for uh, recharging and refreshing. Remind us of how you want to live here as we temporarily live on this earth, representing you, our Savior and King, Jesus Christ. So we, we drink deeply from you right now. We need your hope. We need your peace. We need your joy during these challenging days. Come Holy Spirit. Dark is the hour. We need your filling, your love, and your mighty power. We invite you to come take charge today in your church. Speak, Lord. We're listening. And all the church family at Wallen Lake said with one joy-filled voice, you can be seated. As our Savior and King, as our friend and our good shepherd, Jesus Christ has the right to expect things from us, right? Earthly parents, you have some expectations for your kids, for your children. Uh, you expect them to listen. You expect them to try at school. You expect them to be good citizens. Well, Jesus Christ left the glory and the splendor of heaven to be born in a barn. So think about it. He was in heaven and, and being worshipped and adored, second person of the Trinity, and now he's born in a smelly barn, and he, he lives for 33 years here on planet Earth, and he does so without sin. And then Jesus alone, the sinless Lamb of God, allows his blood to be poured out on a Roman cross. And who did he do that for? 
He did that for you. He did that for me. Wash and cleanse. My greatest problem, yours too. We're sinners. He took our place in the tomb and he didn't stay dead, did he, Julie? Early Sunday morning, he literally, physically, bodily arose from the dead. He defeated sin and Satan and death. He did that for you. He did that for me. He arose. Now, uh, whoever will believe those facts and receive, open the door of your life and invite Jesus in, Jesus says, now you can be a part of my royal family. Come on. You're a part of my, I appoint you to be a part of my personal family, eternal life. Jesus has earned the right to expect us to think and speak and live as citizens of heaven. If you're a citizen of heaven, if you're a follower of Jesus, then Jesus has earned the right to say, you know what? I expect you to behave and speak and think in certain ways. And here they are, right here in the text we just read. Five expectations. Let's work through them. Expectation number one, citizens of heaven, that's, that's those of us who know Christ, we're going to join the Apostle Paul in striving for the prize. He expects us not just to oh, let's just sit back and relax. He says, no, no, I, w- I want you to press forward. I want you to, to reach out for the prize. And who is the prize? Any guesses? It's Jesus Christ, okay? Here's what it says, verse 12. We just read that. I don't mean to say I've already achieved these things or I've already reached perfection, but I'm pressing on to, pre- to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. I'm going to forget the past. I'm going to look forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race, receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling me. Guess what? (laughs) When you come to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you say yes, I believe, I receive, I do. That's not the end. That's only the what? It's really the beginning. That's, that's when the race starts. That's when we begin the Christian life. Paul is saying it's easy, after you've been a Christ follower for a while, to sit back and get comfortable. I'm pretty satisfied. I'm pretty content. I'm pretty complacent. Look what he says. He says, verse Verse 14, no, no, I'm pressing on. I'm pushing hard. I'm moving forward. I'm straining. I'm reaching forward. Um, And that's what he's saying to us. He says, I want my followers, citizens of heaven, to press forward. I don't want you to be content and relaxed and, oh, well, no biggie. Paul says, I'm not looking back at the times I messed up royally. I'm not looking back when I did a belly flop and blew it big time. But I'm also not looking back to the times the Lord used me to, to do amazing things. I'm, I'm not looking back. What does he say? I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward. I'm pressing ahead. Still a lot of work to be done. Charlevoix, Emmett Counties. Um, did you know the majority of Charlevoix and Emmett Counties are still walking in darkness? Most of your neighbors, most of your friends, probably many of our family members are still living In darkness. The job's not done yet. (laughs) My dad, uh, who is now with the Lord, 
He, he's doing great, I remind myself. Mom, he's doing great. She's home today. She's not feeling good. But anyway, he retired from U.S. Steel, and he retired. He, then he worked for 12 years for an outside consulting company. For the, but he retired in the 90s. But mom and dad never retired from serving Jesus and his church. And that, that speaks to me. He still was pounding nails and washing floors and sweeping driveways. He was, they were always um, hosting life groups, Pastor Chad. Uh, not just in Indiana, but they were hosting life groups down in Florida, um, in the community they lived in. Uh, he was sharing Christ. He was, uh, I recall, family members who he wasn't sure if they knew Christ He'd go repeatedly and said, do you, do you know Christ? Do you, if you said yes to Jesus, here, here's my point. Citizens of heaven, there's, there's no setting back. There's no retirement in the kingdom of Christ. You understand? Citizens of heaven, we press forward. We, we march on. First expectation, citizens of heaven should be striving, pressing forward for the prize. Second expectation. It's right back here in Scripture. Verses 15 and 16. We should not be arguing and bickering over non-sin issues. We should not be arguing and fighting with each other over non-sin issues. Uh, look at verse 15. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If, if you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we've already made. False teachers, if you look back at verse 2, chapter 3, they have some members of the church family in Philippi confused and conflicted. Okay? So um, they've got some teachers there and they're trying to add to the gospel of Jesus. And now Paul says, I, I want you to think back with me. Paul founded the church at Philippi about 10 years earlier. He says, Keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. But now they're hearing from these Judaizers, these false teachers, that they should add circumcision to their faith in Christ. You must strictly adhere to the Sabbath rules. Count your steps. You must adopt kosher laws and eat like an Old Testament Jew. Or, or maybe you're really not a Jesus follower. Paul says, uh, in your confusion, some of you quit running the race. <laughs> you're confused, you're not sure what to do, and some of you are just sitting back and scratching your head and saying, I, I, I don't know who to listen to. Like a wise father, look here, Paul says, I want you, verses 15 and 16, I know I can't make my friends in Philippi obey, but he gently reasons with them here. He's saying... Uh, all of you who are mature in Christ, isn't it a great way to, to appeal to people? If you're mature in Christ, um, I want you to reject these false teachers, but he patiently urges them. You go, you, you find out, wait on the Lord, and in time, the Lord will make himself clear to you. That's what he's saying. Uh, keep living out the truth you know, verse 16. Keep, keep pressing forward, verse 16. Don't drift backwards as you wait on the Lord to make himself clear to you. Paul is modeling for us a great parenting technique. Okay? 
So if you've got teens, if you've got adults in your household there, Chad, you can order and demand um, that your children uh, or that the church in Philippi, uh, you don't listen to the false teachers, I order you. That's not what he does. He, he, he wisely encourages you. keep growing. You keep walking daily with Jesus instead of ramming his instructions down their throat. Do you see what he's saying? He said, uh, I, I want you to listen. I really want you to, to wait upon the Lord. Again, he's nudging them, gently prodding them along. I've recently read two churches, well-known I would say biblical, powerful, influential churches who started bickering and arguing and, and splintering, uh, and now they're just a shell of what they used to be. And as I read the article on both churches, guess what? They weren't sin issues. <laughs> they were opinion issues. They were preference and style issues. Um, and that's exactly what Paul is saying. I want you, Christians in Philippi, Christ followers in Walloon, I don't want you to allow your non-sin differences to divide you. And he wisely models that. Expectation number one, citizens of heaven should strive for the prize. Uh, expectation number two, citizens of heaven should never argue and bicker over non-sin matters. Expectation number six. Expectation number yeah. Citizens of heaven, you're expected to follow the pattern that Paul lays down here, living daily, and is found in God's word. Verse 17. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. Pattern your life after mine, Paul had led many of these people he's writing to to Christ. He planted the church that they were meeting in and he writes to. And he understood they're watching him. Track with me. Paul knew um, these people he's writing to, they knew him. They said yes to the Jesus he proclaimed. And then they watched him. They followed his example, okay? New followers of Jesus will automatically follow the example of their spiritual parents. It just They just will do that. That's true uh, in spiritual ways. That's true at home as well. You know that, right? Mom and dad, your, your children will follow your example. He writes, I'm seven, eight hundred miles away right now, chained up night and day by a Roman guard, Take note of those in Philippi who've patterned their lives after my teaching. Look around. Who's living it out? Who's living strong for King Jesus? They're following the lead that I modeled when I was there with you. Like it or not, new Jesus followers will look at you and follow your example. And they'll do that in the home as well. They are watching us. They will follow the example that we set. Okay? Now let me say, I'm going to share a couple things here, but uh, these are my convictions for this same principle. 
watching me. They know I'm, I'm, I'm the pastor here, and, and you're watching, and they know that uh, what you do is probably the example you're going to follow. Tracking? Therefore, you ready? I keep hearing what good food's being served at the casino. Everybody says you got to go. The price is great. The food is marvelous. You got to go. I choose not to eat at the casino, not because I'll choke, not because uh, it, it's awful, but here's what I know. If some of you see me go eat at the casino, guess what you're going to assume? Well, Pastor Jeff can do it. I can do it, right? I, uh, I choose not to watch R-rated movies. That's a personal conviction. Why do I do that? Because if you see me going into an R-rated movie, guess what many of you will assume? Well, Pastor Jeff can go see an R-rated movie. I, I think I can too, right? Um, that's why I don't drink alcohol. Well, if Pastor can drink, I'm pretty sure I can, right? Uh, it's why I choose to follow the speed limit, mostly. <laughs> PJ drives 80, so can I. Um, Please understand these are personal convictions on me. But I want you to know, these are personal convictions for your sake. For your sake. People are watching us. They will follow our lead. That's what he just said. Our children are watching us. And they're following your lead. So I've got my personal convictions. What are yours? Because people are watching you. First expectation, citizens of heaven strive for the prize, Jesus Christ. Expectation number two, citizens of heaven should not be arguing and bickering over non-sin matters. Expectation number three, citizens of heaven should follow the pattern that Paul and their leaders are living. Follow me. Lead a good, example-filled life. Expectation number Verses 18 and 19. Citizens of heaven should remain alert and be on guard watching for enemies of the cross. Enemies of the cross. We could call them false teachers, Judaizers. We could call them uh, uh, wolves. We can call them posers. Um, here's what Paul calls them. Verse 18. For I've told you before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they're really enemies of the cross of Christ. Enemies of the cross of Christ. They're headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. Their God is their stomach. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. Paul's really emotional here. He is. He's, he's crying, he says, as he shares this. Watch out for these enemies of the cross slithering around with their slickness all around us. These wolves, these enemies, these posers, look at me, they're attempting to blend in with you and act like they belong. But he said, they actually are hostile and dangerous, church at Philippi. These posers are actually dangerous, church at Walloon. 
They're not fellow citizens of heaven. And here is how you can know they're not shepherds, they're wolves. He gives you some things. Look at verse 19. He says, they're headed for destruction. They've rejected the narrow road of faith alone in Christ alone. They're adding to the narrow road of the gospel. These posers have turned their back on the way of salvation. And now they're trying to get you to buy in to their false heresy. He said, uh, they're headed for eternal destruction. Second, distinguishing mark of wolves. They're so focused and obsessed with the dietary rules and regulations, their God has become their stomach. Their God is their appetite. The only thing they want to talk about is what you can eat and what you can't eat. They're, they're all caught up. Uh, uh, Mark 7 says they're passionate about washing their hands, straining their food. Um, they're, they're all about whatever you eat. You can't eat this, you can't eat that. Jesus says what matters is our hearts. And he said, what's in your heart comes out your mouth. It's your words. So they're all caught up in what you eat. And Jesus says, no, you really should be caught up in what you say. Third distinguishing mark of the enemies. They brag about shameful things. Um, most commentators think he's talking about Go back to verse 2, chapter 3, circumcision. You shouldn't even be talking about that stuff. But you're so, they're so caught up in these Gentiles must be circumcised. They've missed the fact. Look at chapter 3, verse 3. That the genuine followers of Jesus now have hearts that have been circumcised by the Holy Spirit. They're, they're, they're so consumed with the physical, they've missed the whole point. And when you become a follower of Jesus, he circumcises your heart by the Holy Spirit. Fourth distinguishing mark of these posers, it says they think only about life here on earth. They're only, they're only worried. Look at verse 19. They care only about what's going on here right now, present tense. They don't care about heavenly matters. They aren't thinking about making a difference for eternity. They only care about following the rules when? Now, they've lost perspective of following and loving Jesus. Pay attention, church. Church at Philippi. Pay attention, church at Walloon. False teaching, wolves, posers, enemies of the cross. They're still out there. <laughs> They're still attempting to worm their way in. And get us to add to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Expectation number one. Citizens of heaven strive for the prize. Jesus Christ. Expectation number two. Citizens of heaven should not be bickering and arguing over non-sin issues. Number three. Citizens of heaven should be following the pattern that Paul and God's word has said. Expectation number four. We should stay alert. Be on guard, wolves, enemies, posers are on the prowl all around us. And finally, expectation number citizens of heaven, we should be on the lookout for the return of King Jesus. <laughs> be on the lookout because King Jesus is coming back.
verse 20. But we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we're eagerly awaiting for him to return as our Savior. He'll take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. Note the contrast. Verse 19, enemies of the cross, they only want to talk about today. Citizens of heaven, we're looking forward to Jesus' return and being with him. Heavenly citizens, temporary address. What's your temporary address? 02135 North Shore Drive. What's yours? We've got addresses all around northern Michigan, Boyne City, Boyne Falls, Petoskey, Charlevoix. Listen close. But Chase, your most important address is your eternal home. Got it? You got, it. You got a temporary address, but 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 8 says, to be absent from the body, quit breathing here on earth, you're going to be present with the Lord. That's where your eternal home is. So, think about it. Scott, you rent a cabin, hotel room, Airbnb for a week, and you get in, you say, you know, I kind of like this, but the, the bathroom should be bigger. And uh, the kitchen, you know, it's kind of old and it needs to be updated. So you start calling contractors and you get bids and you have the electricians and the plumbers and you hire a contractor um, because this Airbnb you're in for a week, it needs a bigger bathroom, uh, it needs a better kitchen, you're going to add a porch on. Um, um, why is that a problem? Well, you're only going to be there a week. It's temporary, of course. You're not, you're not going to add on. You're not going to update. Um, Paul is urging us here. We're just passing through. You understand? We're, we're, this is just temporary. We're not home yet. This is not home, is what he's saying. Permanent home still to come, where Jesus, is. he says, look at it, going to give us new immortal bodies, if you want to know more about that, 1 Corinthians 15, 35 to 54. That's the lengthiest uh, passage on what our new bodies are going to be about. And then he says, uh, last part of verse 21, and then King Jesus in his awesome power is going to bring all of earth and all of the universe under his control. That's, that's going to be pretty awesome. Revelation chapter 19 to 22. Heavenly citizens await our perfect Savior, Jesus Christ. It's the glory to come. It's the new heaven. It's the new earth. Um, it's the verses Brittany just read. No, no sin, no Satan, no tears, no death. It, it's, it's all going to be made new. That's the motivation for living up to these five expectations. You understand? Why? Because it's going to be awesome. Jesus is coming back. This is not the end. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad this isn't it? This is not the end. Jesus is coming back. How many of you, when you're eating a meal, look forward to dessert? Can I see your hands? How many of you would just as soon start with dessert? Can I see your hands? Yeah. Okay. Now, I remember my grandma used to say, because um, she always made banana pudding. Grandma's banana pudding was tough. She'd say, uh, hold on to your fork. Hold on to your fork. Why? 
because you just finished the meal, but you're going to need your fork because grandma's pudding, banana pudding is coming. The best is yet to come. Got it? And I guess I want to close by saying, hold on to your fork, everybody. I've actually done a couple different funerals, and the person who was laying in the casket, they had a fork in their hand. And they were announcing to everybody this truth. It's not over yet. The best is yet to come. Isn't that good? It's, it's not over. The best is yet to come. Remember, the Lord Jesus has paid and earned the right to expect his followers to think and speak and live differently. Why? Because we're heavenly citizens. Heavenly citizens, we should be striving for the prize. Number two, we should not be bickering and arguing over non-sin issues. We should follow the pattern that he and the others have written down and laid down. Number four, we should be alert and on guard. The enemies of the cross, wolves, posers, they're all around us. And heavenly citizens, we should be on the lookout. Because King Jesus Christ, he's going to return. He's going to take charge. He's going to make it all right. We don't think, we don't speak, we don't behave like the folks who aren't citizens. Why not? Because we're citizens of King Jesus. That's why. We're, we're followers of the King. We know him. We're going to be with him. We listen and do it his way. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for uh, being a part of our worship as we uh, sang. And thank you for being a part of our worship as we've dug into your book. And Lord, I certainly pray that you'll give us a, a heart and a mind to look at life and see whether we're uh, meeting your expectations that you've laid out in your book for us. Show us where we're falling short. And Lord, help us to make adjustments with your power. And Lord, if there's anyone here today or watching online who doesn't know your Son as Savior and Lord, would you make that very clear to them as well? Draw them to yourself. Knock at their heart's door. And Lord, I pray that even today, by faith, they might recognize you left the glory and the splendor of heaven. You lived a sinless life for us. You shed your blood on that cross for our greatest problem. We're sinners. Took our place in the tomb early Sunday morning. Literally, bodily, physically resurrected from the dead. You did that for us. And you're a gentleman, Jesus. Right now you're knocking. You're asking us to open the door of our lives and invite you in. You can do that right now. Jesus, I invite you and be my king, my savior, my Lord. I choose to follow you. I'll, I'll do it your way. And thanks for adopting me into your family. We love you. It's good to be here today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.